What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. On episode 49 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, myself, Adam, and Jeremiah are joined by the Baz Cox to talk about West Ham's new manager, David Moyes, and the general direction of the club. We then go on to talk about West Ham's match against Bournemouth coming up, and we answer the question on who is West Ham's team of the decade. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. This is episode 49. We're dangerously close to episode 50, an anniversary in which Jeremiah and I equally have nothing prepared. Jeremiah, how are you doing today just before New Year's? (laughs) Dude, I'm doing good, man. It's the first day back to work. I had off all last week, so I'm kind of dragging, but this... This has pulled me back to uh, to reality and kind of actually made me happy talking about West Ham for for some weird reason. So we're good. You know why? Because we're just we're just in it for the content, right? Uh, That's right. <laughs> no, but we we have uh, a very special guest on today. I almost wish we put out like a two minute 49th episode and then could have had the wonderful Baz Cox uh, on as our 50th anniversary uh, 50th episode guest. Uh, but he is joining us today. Uh, we sat and talked to them for about 30 minutes, and and you know. Passion would be an understatement. Is that fair to say? Passion is uh, is a good word to use for it, but it's probably not the right one. I, I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a good one you can bring up. Like you and me, talk man. He's just such a commanding presence when he talks. You just want to listen to to everything he's got to say because it's all good. And I mean, whether you believe it or, or not, it, it's good to listen to and it's, it's accurate and on point for sure. It's safe to say the uh, little expletive E mark beside the episode on this one is well earned uh, <laughs> from this interview. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can take the man out of the East End, but can't take the East End out of the man. And I think that's that's fair to say there. Um, I guess it seems almost like it doesn't need to be talked about, but uh, West Ham sacked Manuel Pellegrini, Jeremiah. Was it the ultimate, uh, I'm happy, and then all of a sudden existential dread over your head on who's going to get appointed? Yeah, so kind of, I mean, you and I, and we had talked a little bit. I was, we got a bunch of snow this past weekend. And so after the match, I'm like, I'm going to go outside, take my aggression (laughs) out and shovel some snow and leave my phone inside, everything else. And I come back in like two hours later, I look at my phone and I see just, you know, everything's blowing up. Pellegrini sacked, this and that. So yeah, like you said, the the initial just kind of like joy and not joy sounds bad. I mean, he is a person, he has a job, but Almost the relief. initial like, okay, relief of like, you know, good, this is over with and we can move on. And then, yeah, all of a sudden we're like, Oh crap. Like now, 
you now what? Now what do we bring in? And, and you kind of knew, and I mean, there's no hiding it. Obviously, Moyes is the guy. It, it, but you kind of knew that it wasn't going to be like the Kovac or Kovac. It wasn't going to be somebody like that. Benitez wasn't going to leave and come in. And it was going to be this. Um, it's it's definitely weird. It has a weird kind of reunion feeling to it. I mean, 18 months later, the guy gets an 18-month contract to stay. It, it's a whole... It's, it's interesting to see. And I mean, I, for one, am... I'm going to always be excited about it. We could be like in league two and I would still be excited for anything West Ham content related and going out and, and watching it every single week and just literally putting everything into it. But yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a weird feeling right now. It's, it's change. And I don't know. Uh, it's that kind of change. You don't know what to expect. You know what I mean? Well, and that's people always say like successful people always say like, you have to step out of your comfort zone. Like change is good. Embrace it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but when David Sullivan's pulling the strings behind the change, I don't know if it's exactly good. Uh, but this is, by all means, a David Gold appointment. I think, um, well, I don't think David X uh, on the West End Way podcast have always been touting the fact that uh, David Gold's been an admirer of David Moyes and believed he should have got the job after keeping West Ham up and, and earning that, that position. And, you know, the shiny option of David, of uh, sorry, Manuel Pellegrini trumped that. And we saw that fail. So, I, I you know, I. It's all too predictable that West Ham went with the free option. Um, but that being said, Kovac was free. But, uh, you know, the, the boys on the American West Ham Way podcast, Tony and Brawley had X on this week in an awesome podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. And first of all, if nothing else, this appointment in sacking has just inspired a ton of content to come out around the team. And whether it's positive, negative, or impartial, it's emotional. And that's always good to, to see that reaction because if you don't have emotions about it, you just don't care anymore. And that's probably going to be the saddest part if that happens. But, um, you know, they were talking about the appointment and, and they basically stated, X basically told Tony and Brawley that there was no, you know, move made for Unai Emery, who I wouldn't be on board with with signing, but, all, but more importantly, Kovac. So, you know, the, the dreams of... Uh, the dreams of getting in Allaire's former manager, setting up in a more dynamic, attacking, heavy formation, which may still happen under Moyes. He has a much better squad than he did the last time he was here. Mm-hmm. Those dreams can still happen. It's just not going to be with one of those flashier names. I mean, Kovac is coming off coming off of Bayern Munich, right? Like a relegation battling yeah. West Ham doesn't seem like the next step after that for him, even if it is going to be you know a job that he takes to build his name back up. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta take a step back and remember that we are West Ham, and it you know Baz says it perfectly later on here in the uh, podcast. But it, man, it, we are who we are, and you know we're not going to be out there winning everything. So yeah, seeing a manager coming from Bayern Munich, looking at West Ham, like we're not on a uh, even scale with them by any means. So that makes sense, and and seeing Moyes come back in, you know, uh, I probably would have I would have agreed with with Dave and X and even David Golden that matter of whenever he got let go i would have wanted i wanted to see him stay honestly he kind of kept a team that didn't have a lot of stars on it i mean you go back and look at that squad and completely night and day from what we have now for for the most part and and not for the better um and they did okay they held tight they held just as well as we've done so far at the beginning of this season i don't know if you've seen that stack going around but essentially it's been about the same amount of wins losses and draws and the same amount of points and goal differential and everything else and he was able to do that with a team that was way less than this and kind of fight back from that battle. And the one thing that we are going to see is it's going to be the heart and the passion is going to be back. Um, that's going to be there. It's going to come back. And, and funny enough, you know, we, you mentioned the content and just all this new thing coming out because there's a new manager and, and everyone wants to talk about West Ham. And 
the kind of excitement or, or fear or whatever is out right now um, is making people talk about it to say the least. And my wife who doesn't know anything about West Ham other than the fact that, you know, I talk about it all the time is watching the match. She's like, she literally watched the match and she said, everyone out there just looks, it looks lifeless. Like there's no heart, there's no passion. And yep. then right about that time to show Pellegrini and one of his patented, just kind of sitting there, you know, hunched over, looking dead, uh, for a lack of better words. And it just, it's so true. It was refreshing to see this go down. And now, you know, like everyone's been saying, we got to, you, you might not like the fact that it, it is the way it is, but you have to back it. You have to back the team, back the players, and back Moyes. Because, like they said on the uh, West Ham Way USA podcast, I mean, if, if you or I got called up tomorrow, I'm like, hey, you want to go manage West Ham? We're like, absolutely, let's go manage West Ham. And, People, you know, you can't blame boys for that. So, yeah, long story short and kind of rambling on, um, it's it's interesting to see and it's it's exciting times. And what a what an interesting match coming up right after Boxing Day. And, and you got New Year's coming up and you got Bournemouth. So. And without further ado, Jeremiah, you did a wonderful job capping it off there. We're going to throw to our uh, interview with Baz. Enjoy. Hi, this is Lena Starr and you are listening to the Green Street Hammers. All right, to ring in our 49th episode and the new year, we have a guest with us on this podcast for an interview, uh, the one, the only, Baz Cox. Baz, how are you doing uh, on this fine evening for you and afternoon for Jeremiah and myself? Broken. Absolutely broken. <laughs> but not not surprised, if, if, if I'm honest with you, sir. Another day in the life of a West Ham fan, I suppose. You know, that that seems to be the, the common thread going across social media. And uh, no one seems to be... There's other people who are okay with it. And there's people who are pissed off about it. But there's no one who's uh, doing cartwheels or, or jumping head over heels for this uh, appointment of David Moyes as, as West Ham's new manager. Yeah. The, the thing is, I think that's a harsh thing. I don't think it's David Moyes. And, and this is where it will get mixed up and the media will pick it up wrongly. I don't think West Ham fans, I can't speak for everyone, I, I personally, it's not the fact it's it's him, it's David Moyes. It's the fact of the lack of ambition that them owners have given back to us fans once again. They was ambitious with Pellegrini, no doubt about it, and, and he had to go of late, but... When you employ a manager like that, with that stature, you have to make sure, in my opinion, you financially back him at every opportunity. In that first summer, they did. Come to January, he needed players for his squad. He got nothing. So come the March, April, you could see he had nothing else but one plan and not the squad to fulfil what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's why I then started calling him out back in April last year. And I've not been a fan of his since then. Because he's not a bad manager. He's just a bad manager for West Ham with the ownership and the level he's at with us, in my opinion. So now it's David Moyes. He's probably a manager at our level because we ain't nothing special. But because of everything that's been sold to us for seven years, since 2012, these mugs got this ground and was told that we could be the, the tenants in there. Now, their seven-year plan started that day. It's mm-hmm. 2022 days. Their seven-year plan, they bought us 10 years ago at 17th in the Premier League. We still sit 17th mm-hmm. in the Premier League. The only difference now, we have no home. You know what, Baz? You, you mentioned he's probably he's probably the manager that's good for us and where we are. And I've said it before, too. 18-ish months ago or whenever he, you know, he didn't get his extension, didn't get re-signed, and then we brought in Pellegrini. 
I honestly, at that time, at that point in time, I didn't really even want to see him go. He, he kind of finished strong, and he didn't have a, a great, I guess, season with us, but he did okay, and maybe that's just kind of where we are right now. We're getting, like you said, we're getting fed a lot of these different lies and a lot of these different stories or whatever is going to be brought up, but it's just maybe this is who we need to lead us right now. I, I, I've never, I've supported West Ham since my first game was in 86. Mm. I, I've never known West Ham to be successful. I've never known West Ham to have good owners. But, and, and I certainly don't support West Ham for success, but these owners now, which no owners have ever done before, have sold our heart and soul. And they've also, the, the biggest thing they've done, which again, no owners have ever done at this football club, is put the divide amongst the fan base that these ones have done and created. And the only reason they've done that is because of all the bullshit they've given us over the last however many years. You know, if you can't deliver what you're promising, let, let's be honest, right? There isn't a club or a chairman that can promise Champions League football. You know, Arsenal can't promise their fans it. Man United can't promise their fans Why the fuck should West Ham be able to promise it? They can't. I don't buy them promises. But when you do and you mess up, don't continue to mug us off. Come out and say, we, we've done wrong here. We need to start. We need to rebuild again. And again, I'm not blaming Moyes, but... You know, how much credibility has that man got for himself? He was mugged off 18 months ago by us. And let's be honest, before that, two years before that, he hadn't had a job in football. We get him. He's had six months with us, or five months or whatever, and then another 18 months off. But in that time, no club in the world, the world has gone for him. Even Alan Pardew's in the job in Holland at Den Haag. David Moyes has not had a club. It's worrying, mate, and uh, but it's not personal to him. It's just the situation our football club's in because of the greed of three people who sit at the top of it. Now, Baz, you are one of the uh, supporters, I believe, who is maybe taking a personal protest on this stance. And are you are you resigned to not attend the London Stadium anymore with uh, after this appointment? No, it's not. Again, it's not because of the appointment. It's the ownership. Sorry, so, yeah, I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say appointment. Today, I should say the the situation. Exactly, it's, it's the situation the club's in. Right. So I, I won't attend another game. I was going to go on New Year's Day, um, but because of the the lack of ambition, the the disrespect is probably a good word. They've the shown the fan base again. I, mm. I've got no interest. No, no mm. interest in going there. I will always support West Ham. I don't need to support West Ham sat in that stadium. I will not pay for their scam anymore. I've paid it for too many years. My money isn't for isn't for West Ham United Football Club. My money's for them. They've become from millionaires to billionaires. You know, I, I don't need to pay that. I'm a number. Someone else can have my number. I don't want to be part of it. When they leave, I'll start going to West Ham again. I won't go to away games either, although they don't get that money. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I will attend one more football match whilst they're owners of the club, if they're still there. And that will be the day Mark Noble says, this is my last season and will be his last game. And I'll go to pay my respects to him. Not for any other reason, because he's, he's served the club throughout his life. And I'll go to clap him. I'll have no interest in any other reason than going to watch West Ham now. Baz, quick question for you then. Just, just to follow up on that. These owners ignite so much emotion from supporters of this football club. And a lot of it negative, actually almost exclusively negative. Uh, is there anything those three could do? Staying Leave. in position? 
like, staying in their position as the board? Is there no. anything they could do? There's nothing. No, not, not for me. That it's gone too far. Well, what, what, what do you want them to do? You know what? They, they can't. This sounds wrong, and I don't blame the ground. I don't blame the ground at all. It is what it is. They can't take us back to Upton Park and make us a, a, a club we were. But they've taken it too far. They've taken everything from us. Now, if we was at Upton Park under their ownership and they tried this and failed, and then we got relegated for them, say, you know, you, cool should still accept it because it don't matter whether West Ham are in the Premier League or the Championship or League One. That club had a loyal fan base, and that fan base was always around the 30, 28, 30, 32,000 mark. All of a sudden, there's 60,000 in there every week. No, and, and this is no disrespect to them people, and fair play for you again, but they're not the core of West Ham. West Ham ain't got a 60,000 course fan group or fan base, sorry. No, otherwise there would have been a waiting list at Upton Park for... You know, we're hearing there's 50,000 on this list at the London Stadium. There was never 30,000 at Upton Park. Where have these people come from? It's all bollocks. It's just stories that are told to us. And there's nothing, in my opinion, that them owners can do to make anything right at that football club. West Ham could make the FA Cup final this year and, and I will miss it because of them three people... Certainly two of them. And I, I can't stand Karen Brady, but I'll tag her in it. Them three people, <laughs> I would miss it because of them three people. They've killed and destroyed. I grew up supporting a football club that had a meaning. A football club that had a heart and soul and a home. The football club I grew up supporting was called West Ham United. The football club that now, playing Claret and Blue and Walkouts on Forever Bland Bubbles, is West Ham London. It's dead. Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with you on that. And, and I haven't really... I didn't come into the West Ham fold until 2011, 2012. And the kind of thing that, that brought me into it was the fact that the players, the fans, the, the kind of club as a whole were all one. They were all kind of united as one. And, uh, you know, the, the fans played for the – the fans went for the players and the players played for the fans. And it kind of went on like that. And it seems like these three have eventually over time – because they were in charge whenever I started coming in. But I feel like just over time they uh, have kind of taken that soul out of the club. They've taken it away and they made it about them. And it just seems like it Hang doesn't, on. like like you said, there's there's nothing Listen, that can you, be done. You, yeah, you you just said it. It is about them, right? So let's be realistic. As a West Ham fan, the biggest appointed manager we've had is Pellegrini, right? At the time, mm. not knowing how we'd get on. When Pellegrini was announced, tell me who was the person in the picture with him? The very first picture of him with a West Ham person. Who was it? Sullivan. There you go. Yeah. Who the fuck stood with David Moyes now? No one. An empty shirt that he's got robbed. Because they're not proud of that and trying to show off of it. Yeah. It's that's all a, that's about them and their image. That's like, they've, made, they've killed the, They have killed this football club. Completely and utterly killed it and taken its heart and soul away. And for that, I personally will never forgive them. Uh, so, we, we've certainly established your feelings on this and any of your, your followers on Twitter would know that as well. You and a lot of others are making it very well known about you know the emotion that's being conjured up here. Uh, looking specifically at the footballing side of it, uh, do you think there was a specific moment in time where Manuel Pellegrini lost the plot here or the wheels started to come off? What do you think happened? Because it was such a positive start to the season results-wise, but some would argue that the football wasn't all that attractive and there was maybe some lucky bounces going our way. See, I, I go back to the start of the season, and and we the difference was we haven't started the seasons very well of late, and this year obviously we lost to City, then done the right in the next four. Um, whereas beforehand we hadn't won for four games, 
Now, let's not forget, within that time, some, one of the years, we had to reverse our fixtures because we're West Ham and we get priority at the London Stadium, but we had to reverse our fixtures to um, make sure the athletics went on. You know, <laughs> We're just treated like shit. But at the start of this season, look, look at the results. Let me get it up in front of me. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head and I don't want to mug myself off, but... We, we lost to Man City, right? Whether, whether it was 1-0, 5-0, 10-0, whatever. I know it was 5-0, but whatever it may have been, we lost to Man City. That's, no, that's not a shock. That's the norm. But you, you go from there. We drew one all at Brighton. Last year, that, that's the only improvement. Last year, we lost at Brighton. We beat Watford away. We beat them last year. We beat Norwich at home, a newly promoted side. We beat Huddersfield at home last year. What's the difference? Mm. We beat That's Manchester an perspective. We beat them at home That's last year. They're, they're, they're similar results. There's nothing special there. All we've done is we've done them at a different time of the season. But as it goes on, all of a sudden, we, we draw at Bournemouth, which ain't a drastic result. I don't. I, I can't remember. I think we got beaten there last year. We 3 0 or something like that. I can't remember. Um, I think maybe right, yeah. We lose to Palace at home. Last year, that's a result because we beat them at home last year. We lose to Everton away. We won there last year. Then we then go to Sheffield United and draw a new, uh, sorry Sheffield United at home and draw with them. You know, the results at the start of the season were good, but they're nothing special. They're only what we done last year. They just come at a different time. And and let's you look at last season and under Pellegrini, and, and this is why I called him out from April time, probably March. We finished 10th last year. Our player of the season was our goalkeeper. Finishing 10th. Do <laughs> you, you see where I'm getting at? You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Payet's last season when he got uh, got angry because the team was celebrating the goalpost being the man of the match after they narrowly avoided there defeat. There you go. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's my point. So the progression has never been great. And... <sighs> As I've said, you know, Pellegrini isn't a bad manager. But what he is, he's a bad manager at our level under our ownership. You know, Pep Guardiola isn't a bad manager, but he would be shit at West Ham. Jurgen Klopp would be shit at West Ham. They don't have the backing they need from their owners. The only, for me, a manager at West Ham that would be good is someone who cares and someone who will install passion and a good work ethic into their players. Pellegrini couldn't do that because that's not his style and that's why it didn't suit West Ham and that's why, for me, he he went a long time ago. Yes, they backed him in the summer and and looking at it this way again, they spent £170 was it, over two transfer windows? Would they have spent that money? Would they have spent that amount of money if they didn't have the returns they was getting? I don't believe it. I, I honestly don't believe it. Otherwise, they would have spent the same money in the Januarys. And they spent nothing in the January. They left him out to dry at the start of this season. And I'm not saying they're the right people. We allowed, four, or they allowed, four forwards to leave that football club. Mm-hmm. Whether they're good enough or not, they allowed four forwards to leave, to leave him with Haller and Ajay, who we knew absolutely nothing about. Yeah. But they let them leave because three of the four centre-forwards that went were all on nearly on just about or just over 100 grand a week and it reduced their wage bill. 
and they were also nearing trying, the end of contracts to, to turn turn a small profit. Yeah. There you go. And, and that's what it's all about. It's just about a turnover. You know, and and we're now we've got David Moyes, and in 18 months' time, the results will probably start going shit again. And it will end up being a vile and toxic place once again. And what they'll do is they'll leave him hung out to be fucking thrown all the abuse at, so it's deflected away from them. And then it'll be this massive turmoil again we've got now. It's one continuous circle with their owners. There's a reason Birmingham fans warned us when they left there and we got them. You know, they, they didn't need to lie to us. Why, why did they not care about West Ham? Yeah. Why would they tell us, be careful? There's a reason. And you hear this horrible old prick. You know, I think David Sullivan is the poison of the two. But mm-hmm. I've always had a bit of, not a soft spot, it's the wrong word. I've always had a bit of feeling for David Gold. Because he's the one who front things. He's the one whose face is on t- on social media, and he's tweets, you know. But he uses that to his own gain. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But he comes out with these stories that oh, I once played at West Ham, or I lived in whatever number four two two Green Street, whatever the number was. I'm a West Ham fan. Are you? If you're a West Ham fan, why on earth did you go back into business with that poison little dwarf at the football club you support, knowing what you've done to Birmingham City? Why would you do that as a fan of that club? You wouldn't do it. He's no fan. And and the worst thing is, that's his cover. But Lee Sullivan don't hide. Lee Sullivan don't hide behind what he is. He's a poison little dwarf. That's all he is. But he don't sit on social media or nothing like that. His boys don't know more. They've got their little people who go around doing all the tweets and shit for them to cover their arse. It's just, it's one farce. You do not see this at any other football club, especially a Premier League club. No, it's 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 definitely a sham. And it, it's you brought up money a little bit ago, talking about just in January with the transfer windows and everything, just not not spending it, not giving, not adding to what they said they were going to add to. And then you see Moyes come in, and you know you got to have a little bit of, I guess, inkling behind it, thinking that probably... He's brought in because he's going to be cheaper. He's not going to cost as much money, and that's going to help that out as well. Hopefully, I'm trying to look at this in a positive light. Hopefully, in a way, I mean, maybe Moyes today in his uh, his first interview, his first press conference, he sounded positive. He said all the right things, and he sounded good coming out. So, I mean, maybe he comes out. Maybe he's got a little bit of chip on his shoulder for what happened, and maybe he wants to get back to that form that he's had. I mean, we can go all the way back, I guess, yeah, now to 2012. You, you, you're yeah. Right. You know, I'm not sorry to interrupt. You are right, and mm. I, I hope he does. But that, that's not. It doesn't matter because it's not what West Ham are about. West Ham ain't about winning. I, I don't get where all this comes from. And fans on, you know, this next level was a lie for us to mm-hmm. move home. That was, supporting West Ham ain't about winning. I'm 39 years old. I've been since 1986. I've never seen them lift a trophy except for a playoff final and the Intertoto. I've seen them in one cup final. In 34 years, or 33 years of going, that's what I've seen. They hadn't won a trophy for six years prior to me going. Supporting West Ham to be successful is a myth. And anyone who tells you any different is off their nut. The same as the ground. I don't buy this shit about an atmosphere. I don't blame the London Stadium. The London Stadium has has its faults because of the move where they took us. People talking about not having an atmosphere, bollocks. I've been in that London stadium when it's been loud and electric. It's fantastic. I've been in Upton Park when it's been quiet and dull and boring. But Upton Park was your home, and Upton Park had a meaning. 
This place, when it's dull and boring, is toxic. And all it does is make supporters row with each other and cause the divide that it's caused now because of their own greed. You would not have this divide at Upton Park if we were 20th in the league. Rock bottom, nine points chasing. You would not get this divide that they've caused. They are nothing but poison. And it runs from the top of the club right the way through. So, Baz, do you support then the fan uh, kind of plans to, to do a protest, whether it's, I know I saw you talking about possibly fans walking out in the 10th minute, things like that, that where, you know, it, it reflects poorly on the owners if the seats are empty, if their pocketbooks are a little bit lighter. It, you know, yeah, these are the things you want, right? Yeah, of course. But let's be realistic. That ground holds 60,000 people. You, I tweeted about doing a walkout. You know, it had, it had a good response. Um, it also had a lot of people slagging me off. And, and that's only right. People are going to have their opinion. Look, mine is something needs to happen. Someone else is shut up and support your team. Good luck to them. I've got nothing against them. But if we all thought the same, it'd be boring. Mm-hmm. But the things like this protest would only be any good if you had 10,000 or more people doing it. Could you imagine having a walkout in a 60,000-seat stadium and 600 go? You wouldn't even notice it. You'd think people are going for a piss. You'd need it to be 10,000. You'd need all them lower tiers to empty yeah. for the media to see it. And if I'm honest with you, I don't believe that core of fan is left at West Ham now. I think you'd probably have, at the very, very most, 5,000 that would probably join in. And that's nothing against the rest. You know, good luck to them. No, people are texting me, stop being a fan, stop being a fanny and start going. Support your team. I'll support my team. I'll support my team from at home. You know, you guys support West Ham. You don't go every week. What does that make people that go better fans than you? This is bollocks. It don't mean nothing whether you go or not. You know, and I hear other people make comments on fan cams. Oh, I've been going to this. I travel up and down the country. I couldn't care a fuck, mate. That's your choice. There's people who have bad health who can't go to support West Ham. My old man, for example, my old man supported West Ham since he was born. He was born, on, or since he started going football, he was born in the... Uh, when was my dad born? 48, my old man was born. You know, my, my old man probably started going football, say, the early 60s. What, does that make him a shit fan? Because he don't go now, because he's got COPD and can't leave the house in the cold. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter where you are. You, you, you support your club, whether you're in a ground, or whether you're at home, or whether you're in America, or any country in the world. You know what I mean? Anyone who makes that comment, for me, is irrelevant. Well said. Point. Well said. Uh, now I, I, out. As, as Jamal knows, I, I was out in Vegas in August mm-hmm. for the Brighton game. And, and I met plenty of American hammers, you know, and, and I took my hat off. And I said it on tweets then, and I said it to people's faces then. I took my hat off to the way you lot come together to watch a game. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it that I'm getting a shake at quarter to five in the morning. Come on, Baz, get up. We've got to get ready and go out. <laughs> quarter to five, you're off your nut. And, and that's the dedication you give the club. You know, not being rude, the, the owners of this club don't appreciate what everybody does. You no, know, they the only thing that we're a number. All they notice is what money turns over within West Ham. That is all they notice. They don't care whether, they, well, they don't care full stop about anything at the club except for what goes through the bank balance. That is it. And you know what? To, to compact that, I think that's just modern football now with all the money going into it. Of course. It. Uh, I actually... I, I don't doubt that. I've only ever been to one football match. It was over the holiday break. Uh, not this Christmas, but the one prior. And uh, it, it was actually... I was supposed to see two matches. West Brom at home, which I did catch. And I was supposed to go see West Ham play Tottenham. We booked our tickets. We booked our flights. We booked our stay. And the, the matches were changed. 
And we missed out on that Tottenham match with the Pedro Obiang boomer from distance by one day. I watched it on my couch at home when I should have been uh, I should have been at Wembley watching that game. And it's all because, you know, let's flex it to TV, get some more money. And it's it's a double-edged sword for me because, you know, flex it to Sky. I can watch it. I can watch a, a televised game at home. But again, it just, it's just modern-day football. Things are changing, and it all seems to be for the pound note. Yeah, 100%. And, and someone made a comment on Twitter the other day, which I do agree with, you know. You notice it more at West Ham because you support them. But the, the club are being held to rights by our players now in the likes of Payet and Nautovic, their scenario. And then you look around, like you say, in the world of football, and you've got people like Deli Ali at Tottenham, Jesse Lingard at uh, Manchester. You know, these, play, these players have too much power at clubs. But... What you don't get at them clubs is, for me, is the divide from the fans. So their fans still support everything they do. Well, it is so toxic at West Ham. Tottenham had it slightly with them, if with their ground move, very slightly. And I think if Tottenham had actually moved location, they'd have it a lot worse. Yeah. But the fact that they stayed at White Hart Lane sort of saved them more than what happened at West Ham because what we've got now. And, and the fact that Tottenham actually own their own place with us. You know, let's not forget, we walk in at the London Stadium. Them stewards don't give a bollocks about West Ham, half of them. You know, they're just there to run away. Half of them sit around the pitch falling asleep. Yeah, and you know what? There was never any effort. You know, we're, we're kind of we're kind of backtracking here, but it's all completely relevant with with the the move from Upton Park. There was never any. We're going to temporarily move to make improvements. There was never any trying to shoehorn and fix the problem of you know we want to we want to upgrade the ground. We want to revolutionize it. We want to make it modern with keeping the history. There was never any compromise made. The board made the decision. The supporters were largely unhappy and. The only divide that comes from it now is people saying they want to go back and people saying we can't go back. So, you know, if, if you asked everyone at the time, it would nearly be 100% stay at, stay at Upton Park, certainly if the option was there to upgrade it. 100%. And, and, and like you've just said there, you know, I've tweeted before and people have replied to me that David Golden's David Sullivan saved West Ham, you know. And, and, and listen, let's be honest, at that precise time, they did. There's no doubt about it. If they didn't buy us at the minute they bought us, you know, or when they bought, they saved us. But if they hadn't done it, someone else would have within the next hour, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. Someone would have bought it, and then people come up with, yeah, and you might have ended up with this Tony Fernandez. Look at QPR now. Well, look at QPR. Ten years on, they're, they're in the championship with their own ground still. Ten years mm -hmm. on at West Ham, we're we're in the same position only homeless and, and we have to be so careful every single bit of money that that club owe is owed to David Sullivan the hatred from the fans is aimed at David Sullivan and David Gold sorry the debt is to both of them Look, them, them two men could sit there for a sake tonight and say right I've had enough I'm not being treated like this I want our money back from West Ham yep. what assets have that football club got to pay them apart from players. There's nothing. They, they can't get a loan against their home. They haven't fucking got one. You, you'd need someone mega rich to come in and pay it off. And, and getting it instantly overnight when you've got no asset, it, it's tough. And, and they could wind that football club down. And it's sad. And that is how much power they've got. Baz, one final question for me here, specifically myself. Uh, with that being said, are you uh, pro or against or with or against the folks that are saying 
Uh, they hope West Ham gets relegated in order to uh, hit the owners in the pocketbook. My God. It's mixed emotion. It's mixed. I never want to see West Ham get relegated. Never. I don't think it would be a good thing for the club because I don't think the club would come back. If West Ham were at Upton Park, 100%. But give me relegation tonight. Let me find out tonight that West Ham have done something wrong and we've got a 15-point deduction and we're going to be relegated and we've got to build again. I don't believe that football club could build again from the bottom at the London Stadium. I don't believe it for one minute. I think you'd lose every top player you've got. You'd get bang average players coming unless you're spending silly money. We've got owners who won't spend silly money. So I think that could be partly the beginning to the end. But if someone said to me it would take for West Ham to get to the end for them to leave I'd accept that but I just can't with being at the London Stadium because I don't see a way back for West Ham if that happened fair point yeah so uh I got I got two more questions for you and then I know that you uh you're a busy man it's, it's probably no, what, like, what is it, like 10, 10 o'clock at night where you are right now no, you're, you're fine you're fine I'll like you up here I've got respect <laughs> for you all yeah, well, uh, so you mentioned Las Vegas, and uh, we kind of mentioned pre-pod, too, about how this is the first time me and you have talked, and I've been sober, so <laughs> that's a good step in the right direction. But, um, yeah, are you going to try to make uh, make the trip to uh, Los Angeles this year, if that's where we have it? Yeah, definitely. I-, I was speaking to Scott the other day about it as well, and, and-, and I'll do my work commitments depending. I- I'll be in um, L.A., whatever it's arranged for. And, and I'll be out there supporting you all again. I'd have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. I met some great people, had a great time, and, and I would love to be out there for the next one. And I'd recommend it to anyone who didn't come to the last one because it was a fantastic time, fantastic event, organised brilliantly, and I had a great time amongst great people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, just get ready for another five uh, five a.m. wake up call from me and Nick again pounding on your door. I just I just ain't, and I promise you, <laughs> I ain't going top golf with Scott at six o'clock in the morning again in flip flops, drinking liters of vodka while he's on whatever beer he was on, <laughs> and being steaming by half seven in the morning or whatever it was, eight o'clock, because I'm playing golf in the blistering sunshine. It ruined me day, and I was terrible at golf, absolutely <laughs> terrible. She, oh, she wants James Collins to be manager, my niece. There you go. Bring back some uh, some old West Ham blood. Get I'd him. back that. I'd and, back that. Get Joe Cole. And, and th- this is what I was saying earlier, you know. People with a bit of passion for the club is what it needs. Because it ain't going to succeed with a great manager. Not with that leadership. It needs people with a bit of drive. And, and I think Moyes would do it right, you know. Stuart Pearce is a passionate man. You'll start seeing passion on the sideline again. Nothing against Pellegrini here. But that's not his way. I hate seeing it, but it's not his way. Same as Sam Allardyce. You know their managers that sit down in their chair and don't do fuck all. But you get, and you know, you look at Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, two managers that kick and head every ball with their team throughout a game. I'd love to see that on West Ham's touchline. And someone like Ginge, you know, not, I'm not saying Ginge should be manager, but get him in the coaching team get Rio back in there get Joe Cole in there get Michael Carrick back at West Ham and, and drill into these players what it means to play for that club because they've come from the bottom level to the top level and, and let these players realise and get on that pitch with a bit of passion and proud to wear that shirt because let's be honest take away Mark Noble Declan Rice Aaron Cresswell Robert Snodgrass Antonio 
Yeah, yeah, Antonio. Who gives a shit? Fabianski probably as well, to be fair. But mm. who really gives a shit in that show? Yeah. That's about it, yeah. Uh, I don't mean that nasty. No, none of it. And, and you can tell that at the end of a game. No, again, I'll use another player. It's a deal, maybe, because he actually bothers to walk around the pitch at the end of every game and clap the fans. But you you watch someone like Lanzini, who's a bit of a cult hero, who I think's overrated. Hmm. Full-time whistle goes, win or lose, he's walking straight down the tunnel. He not even got time to come and clap his own fans, who love him and sing his... And to be fair, we don't sing many players' names, but he's one we do. That's a good point. And, uh, and finishing out, kind of gone off topic again, too. If people don't know, Sorry. you uh, no, you're good. You're good, mate. Uh, people don't know you. You run. You help run anyway. You've been doing a lot of stuff with with Isla, with Isla's fight and everything like that. Um, this poor little girl, man. If people don't like, like I said, she's had a bad break in life and a lot of bad things have happened. But recently, it seems like there's been a little bit of there's been some more good news coming out of there. And uh, I guess what's currently going on with her. Yeah, it's um, fantastic news. Funny, I spoke to Nicola yesterday. I was meant to call mm-hmm. her today, and I totally forgot. They're, they're over in England. They've been over for Christmas. They go back to Barcelona on Sunday, and, and then they'll be heading over to America for uh, to have the vaccine vaccinations in her brain. I think she's got eight of them to have, Holy which man. will then give her up to a 70% chance of not relapsing, which is amazing. The, the little girl's an inspiration. I'll be honest with you. I've taken a back step. Is how I'm going to put it. I don't want it to come across like that as if I don't care, which I do. But I've had to put my own personal business first. I started my own business last year and I got a bit distracted and I've had to make that my priority. And it drove me away from being at West Ham every week or being able to do things for either every week. I've never not thought of her. She's always been in my thoughts. I've always been at, managed to help where I can with what I can but I haven't been a leader up the front standing with a bucket collecting or anything like that um, but the support's been amazing from the people who still donate week in week out there, there was a guy who me and Nicholas in a group chat with who offered before Christmas as a Christmas present whatever the collectors collect at the first game at home after Christmas he'll, add, he'll match it um, with 50% wow um, mm. You know, you know, the generosity is amazing, absolutely amazing. But you know, let, let's be let's be right that the little girl has put up an absolutely amazing fight. God bless her, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's been through so much, and and it's justice where she's at for what she's gone through. Um, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? She, she, I don't know. Maybe I'm saying it wrongly, and I don't mean to. But it's great to see her at the point she's at now after what she's been through and I can't wait for her to get out to America get what she needs done and you know even the family the family been ripped apart mate you know people not a lot know and you know Nicola and Michael there's another daughter involved you know she's 18 she, she's in England on her own quite a lot she, she'll go over and see him say once a month or once every six weeks and, and spend a bit of time but the family's been ripped apart that you know, I remember that was their first Christmas with a family for two years this year. You know, people don't see or understand and, and know these things, and they only see the story of Isla. And bless her heart, she she deserves the praise and the attention. But there's a lot more that goes on that sort of gets missed. And as a family, I'm I'm chuffed for them, and I'm over the moon that the little girl's at such a good place now. I thought she's been through and. 
shortly the family should all be back together, touch wood, and living a normal life. Well, Baz, we appreciate you taking time to, to hang out with us here and talk West Ham. We know it's an emotional time for a lot of supporters, yourself and ourselves included. Um, we all have one thing in common, though, West Ham United, right? We're all on the same side here, regardless of your opinions or your specific outlook on the team. And uh, that's something I'm happy that you brought up and something that Jeremiah fully supported as well. So, again, uh, we can't thank you enough. Jeremiah, any any final thoughts? No, Baz, man, like I said, we appreciate you coming on and uh... – I can't wait to see you out in L.A. and uh, yeah, just, top, man. just keep I'll, it up, man. I'll, keep it up. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, inviting me on. It means a lot. And um, before I do go, I'll need you two to say something for me. Jeremiah, you know what I'm going on about. What's the famous chant? <laughs> you know, uh, let's go. Let's go, Let's go, Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. All right, cheers, guys. Thank you, mate. You're welcome. Thank you, chaps. All right, we are back. Thanks again to Baz for spending some time with us, uh, with a you know a feature from his niece and his dog in that interview as well. So uh, that was that was more than a lot of fun. Um, up next, Bournemouth uh, on David Moyes' second debut with West Ham, um, a team that is rivaling the Hammers for awful form in recent weeks. Um, we have to go back to September 19th for their last league win. That was against Southampton. Um, so we have that much in common as well. They went on to lose 2-0 to Burton in the League Cup, much like how we lost 4-0 to Oxford. Uh, they drew us. They lost to Arsenal, drew Norwich, drew Watford, uh, beat Man United, sorry, November 2nd. That, that's my mistake there. That's their last win. Um, Newcastle beat them 2-1. Wolves beat them with a red card against them 2-1. Tottenham beat them 3-2. Palace on a red card beat them 1-0. That wrecked my parlay bet for that, which is great. So I already hate Bournemouth <laughs> a little bit anyways. Uh, Liverpool battered them 3-0. Uh, they beat Chelsea. Man, I'm all over the place with my how I read this, this uh, scoreboard here. But... Uh, they beat Chelsea, so ignore my previous statement about September 19th. Uh, Burnley beat them 1-0 to follow that. They drew Arsenal 1-1, and they're coming off of a 2-0 loss to Brighton, who is a surprisingly uh, solid team under Graham Potter. Um, can we affectionately call this the Eddie Howe Bowl? <laughs> this thing's kind of gone. That, uh, but... that, that awesome tweet that you put out on Saturday, yeah, we should probably call it that. But, uh, yeah, man, Bournemouth, is a, they're an interesting team to kind of uh, – just to kind of pinpoint down, especially if you're you do any type of sports betting or anything like that, trying to figure out who when they're going to win is is the big one when they're actually going to show up and play really really well. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. I'm kind of on that same side with you. They're they're a frustrating side, and they've been frustrating us as a fan base for the last couple of years. Agreed. And you know what? There's if you look at the team, they have a lot of good players um, and players I would pluck. I was really in on on West Ham picking up. Uh, billing off of Huddersfield last season to be that young mm-hmm. English midfield partner for Declan Rice. They got him and now he's a fixture in their starting 11. Harry Wilson as well was plucked from the championship uh, and he is banging in goals from range on that right midfield side in that 4-4-2 formation. As well, Mepham, Mef- uh, the center back they signed, young, <laughs> uh, young center back there. He's starting beside Steve Cook these days. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know they also have the likes of Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, who came off the bench in their last uh, their last match. Same with uh, Jefferson Lerma was on the bench. But Josh King, Dominic Solanke, uh, someone we're familiar with with Junior Stanislas, also in the team. And their keeper, Aaron Ramsdale, he's the under-23 keeper for England, I believe, or under-21 keeper. 
he's a really solid keeper, and you know I think they've got something special there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get plucked uh, should they stay near the bottom of the table in the years to come. But they're a team who plays kind of hard-nosed, predictably tough football, and it's it's football that can cause problems for West Ham if they're not organized defensively because they can counterattack with a lot of pace. Mm-hmm. No, they are, and like you said, they're young, and they kind of have, they almost have a, I don't want to call it a model of what West Ham want to look like, because that wouldn't seem right, and that would probably ruffle some feathers, but they do as far as uh, having the heart and passion as well. I mean, you mm. see them out there playing. The players that you named, are they're, they're solid players. They're playing professionally in the English Premier League, but you wouldn't put them up there as starters on, you know, anybody in Liverpool, Man City, or something like that, but the way that they play and the passion that they have when they are on when they're all, all, you know, whenever the skills and the heart meet, man, they're they're seemingly unstoppable at times, and, and it's that's kind of what you know they're a model of what we'd want to see, and I think that's where you properly uh, named it the Eddie Howe Bowl, and where a lot of people wanted to see Eddie Howe come to West Ham. I was one of them, and, and I know Scott was one of them as well, our, our fellow Green Street Hammer. Um, yeah. Something that they do that I like is they stick with the formation, generally speaking. Um, or they at least have a favorite formation, which is that four-four-two, two strikers, and they get instead of getting their fullbacks to overlap at a crazy amount, they get their wide players to sort of just focus on on creating from out wide, crossing the ball, cutting in when you're Harry Wilson and you've got that magic boot. Yeah, cut in and shoot whenever you want. But they they play structured football, and you know what? This sounds wrong because they've been kind of uncharacteristically bad this season uh in the last couple seasons anyways uh and they're not a team that's gonna light the world on fire with their style of play but the stability is something to to behold and you know there's there's no there's no real crime or you know it's not a crime to lose to this this brighton team that they lost to but you know they have results this season and they're a team that can cause problems for west ham and david moyes is going to have his hands full i think with with shutting that down um, do you want to do something we haven't done in a while, uh, which is if we set the team up in a four-four-two, who would you rather have uh, between West Ham and Bournemouth? Do you want to play that game, Jeremiah? Let's let's do it. It's been a while. Yeah. I know. Uh, all right. In goal, Aaron Ramsdale, Lucas Fabianski. Fabianski. Yeah, hands down. A- Ramsdale is going to be great, but uh, he's not quite there yet. And uh, if we're building a team starting now, you know, into the future, maybe Ramsdale is the guy, but Fabianski is top notch. Right back, Stacy or Fredericks? That's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Fredericks for now. Last game was a bit of a disappointment. He got caught out way too many times going forward and not getting back, and that was kind of the one of the reasons that they just kind of tore up that side of the pitch. Um, but I'm gonna stick stick to what I know and stick with Fredericks on that. Yeah, I was even gonna say devil you know versus devil you don't. I don't know enough about Stacy to replace Fredericks, and uh, so might as well stick with him. Uh, all right, judging by our back four of the last game that West Ham played in, are you taking Steve Cook or are you taking Issa Diop? And this want, is, this is, gonna, in, this yeah. is in the, uh, the context of you're playing a game tomorrow. Right, 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 right. Uh, I'm going to stay with uh, – yeah, it's tough because I, I do like Steve Cook a little bit. But, okay, how about this? Um, how, about, how about this? I'll make it easier or potentially right, more right. difficult. We'll, we'll, play, we'll, we'll pick two center backs out of Mepham, Cook – Issa Diop and uh, Fabian Balbuena. Who are your two center backs? So I think I would go with Cook and then uh, Cook and Diop. I think I would pair them together. Um, 
nothing against Bob Buena, but I think I just I don't know what it is about Cook. Maybe it is the just kind of the, the passion that he has. Every I don't watch Bournemouth all the time, but when you see it, you can always kind of tell it's there. And he's a solid defender. Um, so he's for a me, drunk it, just, dad. It, it does. It does, man. Maybe that's just what we need at West Ham. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> I can't that's argue with that either. Those two, I'm taking yeah. those two as well. You get that like hard Brexit cook, you know, in the back line. But then you also yeah. have Diop, who's completely the counter a- counterpoint to that. Uh, left back, are you taking Arthur Mazuaku or Diego Rico? Boy, I think I'm gonna. I think I, I'm gonna go with Rico Mazuaku. I love him, hate him, however you feel about him, but too inconsistent right now. I know. Looking forward, obviously Moyes has gotten. Um, has gotten a lot out of him whenever he was here the last go around, mm-hmm. and I think that hopefully that's something we can see again. Um, but yeah, for now I'll go with Rico. Yeah, I'm 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 finding it hard to disagree with you. I'm I'm going to go Rico as well. Uh, exciting player there, if not a little uninspired, but you know the better of the two, I think, on a more consistent basis. Uh, left mid, Pablo Fornals or Junior Stanislas? I'm going to go with Fornals, man. Fornals is uh, he's on one right now. He's kind of coming into the fold and hopefully that can stay man's hot man's hot can't disagree with that and stanislas i'm not double dipping there we already did it with a manager i'm not going back for another player um <laughs> all right two midfielders and we're probably going to agree on this one too uh between gosling billing noble and rice i gotta i gotta pick two obviously i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with uh noble and rice uh, noble and rice for me i just think that it's it's two. They're they're kind of like one and the same right now. The way they've been playing, and actually, one feeds off of the other. I have to and, cut and so you, you off switch. Here. I have to cut oh. you off here. Noble's not an option. Look. He didn't play in West Ham's last game. That's Carlos Sanchez and Declan Rice. Oh, and well, Gosling and Billing. Enough. I'm I'm gonna go so then, Rice and Billing. That's my two. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll go with that as, that as well. Since Noble's not going to be in there, and I mean nobody on the right line is going to put Sanchez at this point in oh time. Oh my God, no! He shouldn't even be in Championship level. Um, all right, right mid. Are you taking Harry Wilson or uh, Felipe Anderson? I'm gonna take Wilson right now. Uh, yeah, Felipe. You know he like a lot of people are giving him slack for not finishing out the runs and, and playing well. He he did when he did play uh, on Saturday. He looked good when he actually put the the effort in. So hopefully we can get him back to 100. percent But yeah, for right now it's Wilson. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think uh, I think Harry Wilson's the one right now. Um, because he's had such a great season, and Anderson really hasn't. That being said, he had a great performance, I thought, against uh, against Leicester. And I also think he's he is a player who needs to have um, structure and also needs to have a fire lit under him. He looked great coming mm-hmm. coming off the bench as well against Crystal Palace. He was running hard, not pulling out of those tackles, and looks like he was trying to win a spot back. So um, I'll go for Harry Wilson for now, but Anderson's still top class. And pick two strikers out of Sebastian Allaire, Mikel Antonio, Joshua King, and Dominic Solanke. Ooh, I'm going to go. Can you give me that one more time? Joshua King, Dominic Solanke, mm-hmm. Mikel Antonio, and Sebastian Allaire. I'm going to go with Allaire and King. I really like King. Uh, King's been kind of, I don't know what's going on. I mean, he kind of came in and he was young and didn't, you saw him kind of feature a little bit and kind of wild and crazy all over the place, but he's really been able to pull it together. And he's been fairly solid for them. He's definitely been a dagger every time he's played against us, so why not yeah. take the person that's been best against us and, uh, and and we'll take him, yeah. The day I moved into the house I'm living in now was the day he scored a hat-trick against us. And it's forever <laughs> burned in my memory. I was, wa- I was in an empty room with a TV and a receiver on it, and it was a televised mm-hmm. game here before streaming services of DAZN, and 
it was the only thing I was standing and watching. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, yeah. I'm taking Josh King and I'm taking Mikel Antonio. Alaire uh, needs to do more. Dominic Solanke, pass. Um, I think that would be a, a, a front two that has blistering pace, but you can't go wrong with the three that we picked there. Um, yeah. You feeling confident for a win under Moyes? New manager bump, do you think? Yeah, I'm feeling confident for a result. I don't know if it's going to be a win. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Not so much that we don't have the players, not so much that he's not the manager to do it, but I think changing the mindset is going to, what's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, you you are more cautious than I am. I say screw it, <laughs> balls to the wall, West Ham win. Uh, I think it's going to be like a 4-2. Mm-hmm. For West Ham, I don't know why. I just think that basically the players. I would not be surprised if I don't know who would do it under the ownership group, or if Noble would be the guy to do it or Zabaleta. But basically, go in that change room after um, after Pellegrini was sacked and basically said, "You took one of the most decorated and well thought of managers in Premier League history, and just got him sacked from a bottom of the table team because our effort's not good enough. Wake up." And yeah. I, I hope that they, you know, can can show up for Moyes as well because the players are on social media. They know exactly how much stick he's getting from from the supporters. And you know, as Baz said, not it's pretty unjust to him. He did nothing wrong. He he took a payday. That's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I would do the exact same thing. So, uh, you know, Moyes is going to have to rely, especially with only two three days of training. He's going to have a lot to, a lot of, you know. He has to put a lot on his players to actually get a result out of this. So uh, mm-hmm. I think West Ham sure. need to come out there. I think the players are going to drive that more than anything. All right. Being the end of the decade as it is, uh, we should talk about our team of the decade. Does that not make sense? It does make sense. It's, mm-hmm. uh, a, perfect, <laughs> it's a perfect segue into what I was... Uh, <gasps> planning on doing what so who would, who would have known yeah um, um yeah you, you you put out some polls and got the the fan pulse on basically you know what west ham's team of the decade looks like and you know you're you're i'll let you take over here and sorry i talked too much anyways but i'll let you take over here and and basically you know run me through the gambit here see if i me and the the supporters agree on the positions yeah i figure you know what a perfect way to finish out our last podcast for the decade and uh you know to finish out the podcast with the of the decade question so like you said i put it out on twitter with obviously our hammers pulse our good friends hammers polls um and uh, there'll be a post probably coming out tomorrow with uh overall starting 11 of the decade but using them kind of getting the word out there and basically um i'm just going to rattle off with you i'll start in the back we'll just go back forward um and then finish off with who was your manager of the decade but as far as keepers go Put it out. Who's the keeper of the decade? Fabianski, Adrian, Darren Randolph, or Rob Green? Ooh, I'm gonna say Adrian. Um, he's been, he was there for far too long. I think he's a fan favorite for like that. Some of that uh, not cliche stuff, but you know he has some of those moments where you're like, ah, you know, raising the Betway Cup. Come on, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking of maybe a couple other things, but that works. <laughs> that works. Um, no, he he did get 22 percent of it. He was second place. First place was Fabianski ah. on. 313 votes he's been here for 18 months i know i know and like bass something's wrong like bass said when you your keepers winning the hammer of the year you finish the fair point <laughs> uh moving up to defender i didn't want to uh go left right or anything else in between so just put it as defender of the decade but your options are james collins 
James Tompkins, Winston Reed, or Angelo Agbana? I would personally say Winston Reed. Um, but again, that's that's me just remembering that last game with the Bolin and, and how important he's mm-hmm. been. He's also been a you know mm-hmm. a regularly capped captain for New Zealand, so that's you know something to add to his cap, but also adds to the prestige of the club having internationals. So I I vote Winston Reed. Am I right? Am I am I with the fans? You're uh, you're coming in in second place again. Oh, come on. Uh, 36 percent. James Collins, uh, he cleaned house with fifty three percent. Yeah, that's and and expected. I get it. It's it's between those two. Definitely uh, was definitely going to be those two. A lot of love for James Tompkins, but on this one he got last. Even Agbana beat him out. So definitely. Definitely got Ginger in there, and you know maybe like Baz's niece said, maybe he'll come back and, and manage for us. Um, moving <laughs> up to center midfield, broke up the midfield between the wingers and the center guys. So center midfield, your options are Noble, Joe Cole, Stop, Noble. Scott Parker. Yeah, Noble. <laughs> <laughs> and Noble, and Noble did. Noble did. He got sixty-one percent of the vote. Of course, Scott Parker did. came in with second, um, which makes complete sense as well. So very fair. Very fair, but you can't go against Mr. West Ham. No, no. Um, this one, this one has surprised me, and I know I kind of talked to you a little bit about this one. But with with, uh, with the wingers or left right midfielder, your options are Payet, Antonio, Stuart Downing, or for a little bit of fun, I threw in Ricardo Vazte. Oh, uh, could be Carlton Cole Vazte. Um, hmm, 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 hmm. Uh, what's got to be Demi, right? He was he was in for the Ballon d'Or playing at West Ham. It was, yeah, hey. 76%, actually, 76% of the fan base. Now, this is only out of uh, 218 votes, but still, I mean, that's a pretty solid number of fans that still have a little bit of love for him. So and you, if, you look at, if you look at the player of the decade talks on social media, it was a, people were saying it's either Noble or Payette. When you give them the option for both, you're obviously going to get both, right? Correct, yeah. And he did, dude, who can forget the season that he had? So completely understand that. Um, moving up, not last but not least, we got one after this. But who is your striker of the decade? Your options are our boy AC. Um, you got Muggo, Carlton Cole, or <laughs> Di- Diafra Sacco. Muggo. Um, that wasn't my vote. That was my vote. Um, <laughs> God, I would love for the mayhem level just to say Diafra Sacco, but I, I it's it's got to be Carlton Cole. Yeah, it was. He it was close. Uh, this one got the most votes, five hundred thirty-four. 38%. It was close with uh, Arnautovic coming in second. Come on. Sacco coming in third. And then Carroll. No love for Carroll, man. I mean, I think people listen to this podcast, they know how the love for for Carroll that we got. Oh, but man. We love him. Either way. <laughs> he looks like Jesus. I'm trying to pull He's up. Jordy Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. So, and then pulling up, last but not least, we got to have the guy that's going to be leading everything from the front, right? So, your options are going to be. We got Allardyce, Super Slab, David Boys, and then Pellegrini. Really, we the four managers that we've had besides Grant, but I felt like it wasn't needed to throw him on here. So out of those, <laughs> out of those choices, um, who would you pick? Wow, what an inspired list. Um, I mean, there's <laughs> only one manager there who doesn't have, you know, a lot of general disdain against him, and that would be Slab and Billich. So uh, I will say, Super, Super, Super Slab. Yeah, he cleaned house with 75%, man. Uh, he was up there. You know, Sam Allardyce got 18%. No love for uh, for Pellegrini or Moisey. So <laughs> welcome back, David Moyes. And uh, hopefully this coming decade, you can change a little bit of that. Hey, that's that's all we can ask for. He says he wants to, to lead this team to attacking, exciting football and wants to get the fans excited. So 
we will be back great. after this match. Actually, we'll probably be back after the, the Gillingham match. So um, we hope David Moyes has a great first match in charge of West Ham. We hope that he goes all out in that Gillingham match and, and stacks the squad. We'd like to thank Baz Cox, of course, uh, f- for him spending time with us, talking West Ham and you know the appointment and general direction of the club. And thank you to, to Hammers Polls, as you mentioned, Jeremiah, because a lot of these votes wouldn't uh, have come in without their, their backing on that as, uh, as per usual. Absolutely, yeah, man. Um, and to all the listeners, you guys, I mean, we already said have a Merry Christmas, but you guys have a Happy New Year's. And, of course, Adam, same to you. You know, we don't sit in the same room, so Happy New Year's to you as well. Jeremiah, you too, man. I know it's been a long year of, of doing podcasts with you here, and it's been uh, a ton <laughs> of fun with you jumping on uh, on a more regular and, and you know, uh, like permanent basis with me here. So well, it's been a ton of fun, and here's the 2020, buddy. That's right. Cheers. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons.